How you doing? Today is a day we're celebrating. We want uh, our mums collectively to feel loved and appreciated and celebrated for who you are today. But we also acknowledge that it's a day of, of high emotion for a lot of people. It's a day maybe you're longing to be a mum. Maybe you've lost your mum. Maybe your relationship with either as a mother or as a child is not quite as you would like it to be with the, the, the mother or child, whichever way around that goes. Um, but to everyone who is a mum, everyone who wants to be a mum, people who are about to be a mum, stepmums, solo mums, dads who have to be mums, nanas, spiritual mothers, foster mums, we want you to know that you're loved, that you're appreciated. We are very happy that you're joining us today. Either online or here in person, we want you to feel loved and celebrated today. Uh, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Amber. As Tom said, I'm the associate pastor here at Elam. I am married to Cam and we have four children. They are currently 17, 15, 13 and 11. And I know that when you hear that, you think, that's very methodical. You did that very well. It's very well, evenly spaced out, two years, obviously clearly well planned and thought through. But the 17-year-old just turned 17 last week and the 11-year-old is about to turn 12, so that's actually... Four kids in five years. Hashtag don't recommend. <laughs> I love them with all my heart, but phew, she's been full on. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My mother had four children. Happy Mother's Day, Mum. My mother had four children, and I thought, yeah, I want to I have four children. This seems good, because I was the baby so I didn't have to, like, you know, take responsibility and all that. I was just the baby along for the ride. And I remember having four children, having the fourth, and I said to my mother, <clears throat> this isn't exactly how you projected it to be. <laughs> she said, I told you no one would babysit for you when you have four children. I said, but, you know, I just will. Like, you will because you know what it's like. But uh, my mother is a lovely, gracious, kind human being, and I... I'm not as lovely and gracious and kind. <laughs> so my children know that mothering is hard work. <laughs> my mum just quietly did it all, just beautifully, I don't know how. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I let my children know that I work really hard for such a messy house. Anyone else said that? I was like, it's always working and it's still messy. Anyway, moving on. I find myself in the pulpit today because I had a dream. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, old men dream dreams, young men have visions. I'm, I'm in the, the dream bit. <laughs> I like to believe that's old in faith and not, you know, numerically, maybe. Anyway, I had a dream. And so what I, want you to, what I wanted to say to you today is that several months ago, while I was asleep, God was thinking of you here now, he knew you'd be here, and I believe he gave me this dream that would come, become this message. And in my dream, in my dream, it's not just for mothers, but it sounds a little bit like it might be right at the beginning, but it's about humankind. Humankind, since the ages, have dealt with what I'm going to be talking about today. But in my dream, there was a lot of women and they were all in dresses, and it was kind of like a, you know, like maybe like a closed street, so cobblestone, there was uh, shops, and there was all these women sort of coming from different places, and they were all wearing different types of white dresses, maybe, I don't know if they're wedding dresses, but different types of white dresses, and they come out, and they're looking around, and they're looking down at themselves, and they're looking themselves in the mirror, and they're all wearing different dresses, some of them looked amazing, some of them 
Some of them didn't. Some of them were struggling. Some of them were wearing ill-fitting dresses. Some of them were wearing perhaps old dresses that maybe they fitted. You know, have you ever tried to fit into your wedding dress 20 years later? <laughs> Some people, it's not as successful as others. Uh, they're wearing ill-fitting dresses, dresses that were great 20 years ago, but we've changed, we've moved on, we've become different people. So they're wearing ill-fitting dresses. They're looking at other people's dresses. They're walking down the road and... Uh, looking up and down at themselves, looking at other people, working out what they liked and what they didn't like. And as soon as I woke up, I knew that this dream was not about dresses, but I knew it was about us as people. Have you ever stood somewhere looking around, wondering how you got here, wondering if you really fit in, wondering if you're really equipped for the task, wondering if you have what it takes? It's not just a woman thing, it is also a man thing, I know that for a fact. That, that we can look at something else and someone else, something else, and think, I don't really have what they have, so what am I doing here? Today, my message is about comparison. We compare how we look, we compare our skills, our talents, our abilities, we compare our jobs, our past, our projected future, we compare our homes, we compare our finances, we compare maybe our children, Maybe our cooking skills, or I mean, have you ever followed anyone on Facebook that does those like fancy school lunch boxes? <laughs> my, I don't even make my kids lunch. <laughs> then you know we compare our 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 mumming. You know, some people appear to like, be doing mumming really well, and some of us appear to just be trying to trying to make it work. <laughs> we we compare. I I found myself comparing the other day. My my son had a very shaggy look going on. And I took him to the hairdresser, and he looked so much smarter after he had a haircut. And I suddenly thought, how often, because he's my only boy, so I have three girls and then a boy. And I said to the hairdresser, how often are you supposed to bring your boy for a haircut? You know, like, and I actually said, how often does so-and-so bring their son for a haircut? Because their son always looks sharp. <laughs> and I thought, oops. <laughs> there, you know, that, that happened this week, because that's what, that's what God does. You're preaching something, and then he, he sort of goes, um, Hello. The Bible is literally full of people that compared themselves. They compared themselves to other people. They compared themselves to people that they thought might be doing a better job. They compared themselves and they fell short. They fell short on who uh, they thought they should be. And they fell short imagining what they needed to be to do what God was calling them to do. Think about Gideon. God says, Gideon, I want you to do this. He's like, no, 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 you don't want me to do that because I am the least and the least of the least of the least. I'm the least, I'm in the least tribe, I'm in the least of the family, I'm the least of the least. But God didn't care about that, but he, he was too busy comparing himself to others to really hear what God was telling him to do. He got there eventually. Think about Moses. I want you to do this. No, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't because I can't speak. I'm sure there's got to be someone else that can do this. So he compared himself. God was, I mean, God put a bush on fire. And he still was like, oh no, but you should pick that person because that person looks better than me. So literally God is standing there talking to him and he's comparing himself to someone else. Think about Saul. Saul burned with envy and hate when the people compared him to David. 1 Samuel 18, verse 6 to 8 says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman, began, uh, the woman came out in the town. Hold one moment. 
the women came out from all of the towns of Israel and met King Saul. They were singing and dancing with joyful songs with timbrels, I don't even know what those are, and lyres, instruments anyway. As they were dancing, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They gave credit to David for tens of thousands, he thought, but me, only thousands. Saul didn't even need to be comparing himself. Everyone else was doing it for him. And he felt angry, he felt incomplete, he felt less than. It's in our human nature to compare. It's in our human nature to wonder if we're enough. I can still remember when two of my kids were quite little and they were having a fight. And then one of them came to me and said, I can't like her because her face is round and my face is oval. (laughs) And I looked at the child and said, what? (laughs) Who are you? Where did you come from? I did not teach them to compare their faces. I had never even noticed. Or it might be the other way around. My face is oval. I can't remember. I can't remember who said it. But... uh, But it's in our human nature, it's inbred to go look at something and feel like we have either more or less, that we are better than or worse than. It's in our human nature. So unless being human is something you can do something about, we need to sort of work on it, work around it, work with it. In 1 Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath, so this is before he had killed his thousands, right at the beginning of David's story, A lot of you will know this story. You know, David gets sent down to check on his brothers at battle, and Goliath the Philistine is out there taunting the Israelites, saying, you know, who's going to come fight me? And he is, you know, if we're comparing, he is literally the man, and everyone else are like little boys. And he is taunting them. But then we know that David says, God's on our side. What's wrong with you? God is on our side, so we need to do this. So then... He goes to Saul and he says, you know, I'll fight him. And in verse 38, Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor. He put on a coat of armor on him, a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried to walk. I imagine it'll be a little bit like Max trying to walk in the stormtrooper outfit uh, uh, at Superkids, kind of like this. He put on this armor that was not made for him. He said, I cannot use these. He said to Saul, I am not used to them, so he took them off. He went in it with a staff in hand, choose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd's coat. With a sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. We know how that story ends, don't we? David won. Instead of David focusing uh, on what he wasn't, David focused on the Lord. He could have been very tempted to compare himself to his older brothers, the other soldiers that looked a lot more strong and soldier-like and manly than him. He could have compared himself to Saul. But David was a God who... uh, God, David was not a God. David was a man, which the Bible says was after his own heart. He was given armor to wear to fight Goliath, but that armor was too large and too small for his frame. David did not beat himself up for not being bigger. 
for not being able to fit the armor, for not being able to fulfill or fit someone else's shoes. He didn't even go and try and find armor that fitted him better so that he could look like someone else. He knew who God had called him to be, and he knew that God was on his side. So instead of David... Instead of David focusing on what he wasn't, David focused on God's character. Instead of David focusing not on, instead of David focusing on his opponent, he focused on who God was, that God had helped him in the past and God would help him in the future. David knew he wasn't called to be, to act like, or to look like Saul. He didn't even try. There are many times that we compare ourselves and are being found wanting. So we might change the way we dress. We might change the way we act. We might change things about us, how we do something, to be like, more like someone else. But you know what? Until we have the courage to be our authentic self, until we have the courage to be who God has called us to be, our kids never will. As parents, especially as your children get older, you can sit down and you can have conversations with your, with your children struggling with who they are, struggling with feeling like there's something not right about themselves or they're, they're less than amazing compared to other people. They're feeling uncertain and insecure about who God has made them to be. And as parents, that breaks our heart. As parents, we want our children to know how amazingly awesome we think they are. And they're like, you have to think that, you're my mum. But we want our kids to go out and think that, Know that, that God has called them, that God has made them fearfully and wonderfully made. But yet they sit in this time where they think, I'm, I'm just less than, I don't have what it takes. And how much that breaks our hearts, that's exactly how God thinks about you. When you sit before a task and you think, I don't have what it takes, God, I can't do this. When you compare yourself to someone else's skill, that's how God feels about you. Because he made you exactly how he wants you to be. He wants you to go out and be awesomely you, not trying to be someone else. It's easy for us to look at what we have and not like it, not feel like it's enough, not be happy with our gifts and not be secure with our lot. But the Bible is very clear that we all have different gifts. I think that we would know what the world would look like if we all had the same gifts, the same talents, the same abilities. It would be very topsy-turvy there will be a lot of one thing and nothing of anything else. The Bible gives us, as the Bible tells us that we have different gifts. So it's okay, to, it's okay to see something in someone else and say, I don't have that. But you, you don't go, I don't have that. Oh, woe is me. <laughs> I don't have that. Thank God, God gave that ability to someone else. I cannot lead worship or sing. You want to be very grateful that God gave that gift to someone else and that I don't have to. <laughs> It's all about how you do it. I think the reality is human nature is we're going to compare. But what does it bring out of you? What do you do with it? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 14 says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. The same spirit is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but, in the same, but it is the same God who does the work in us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. 
He gives one person the power to perform miracles, the other the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether the message is from the Spirit of God and the other, or, the, or another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. God wants us to be different. God wants us, designed it for us to have different gifts and ability. God literally gave us different abilities, yet we so often sit there wishing that we were someone else or had some other talent or had some other ability. But God literally made it this way for a reason. Comparison can lead to death. Comparison leads to death of our dreams, death of our hopes, death of ministries, death of relationships. Sometimes when we compare, we just die a little inside. I don't know if you've ever followed anyone on social media that brought you feelings other than joy <laughs> when you saw whatever was going on in their life. You know, I've, I've said it so many times to uh, so many people, but I'll say it again. You know, social media is someone's highlight reel. You know, you see some photo of their immaculate house, but do you know what? This part of their house is immaculate. The rest could be, like, completely tragic, yeah. and it often is. You see one side of them, but, you know, there are some influences out there, teenagers. There are influences out there that have come public with, you know what I had to do to get that photo? I took 500 photos. I didn't eat for three days. I did this, had this lighting, this lighting, whereas they look all very natural. But actually, it's not. It's fake, it's fraudulent, and we're comparing our very everyday life of our trashed house and our screaming children with someone's one image, someone's fake, you know, somebody I know so calls Facebook fake book. Social media, if you're not smart about it, leads to only comparison that makes you feel very depressed. I've literally had to unfollow people, not because there's anything wrong with them, but just because the way that they were conducting themselves on social media gave me everything, every emotion other than joy. And that wasn't good for me. So you've got to be smart about who you follow. I was talking to someone the other day, I don't think they'll mind me ratting them out. I was talking to someone the other day who said I actually felt led to take an afternoon and cull my social media of everyone who didn't make me happy. She deleted 700 profiles. <laughs> She's way more popular than me. <laughs> uh, because you know what? There are amazing Christian people to follow out there. Churches, um, preachers, amazing Christian mums. Choose to follow on Facebook the people that give you life and hope and purpose. Not the people that make you feel not because it's their fault, but because of something in us, less than or inadequate or that we don't have enough. What do we do with the feeling of comparison. Teddy Roosevelt says, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think he's right. I think he's right, but what if comparison could be the water that makes us grow? Bear with me. I've just told you how bad it is, and now I'm saying, hang on a minute, you could use it to grow. I know, it's a bit all over the place. Maybe sometimes... There's an element of truth in our comparison. Maybe when I look at a fit person who's doing lots of healthy things, 
and I'm like, oh, I'm so lazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of am. <laughs> Maybe there's something we can do about that. Maybe God is prompting us to fix an error in our lives. Maybe we could use it to make us grow. What if we changed comparison into a growth mindset? What if we just asked God, what he wants us to learn out of it. Stop doing it is not the answer. Comparison is bad, stop doing it. Because we're human. And it's like we just can't help ourselves. But what if we took a journey of comparison, the comparison that cripples us to a comparison that inspires us? What if we followed people on Facebook that had a hugely highlighted Bible with notes and we thought, in two years' time, I want my Bible to look like that. I want to have read that much Bible. I want to have grown that much. I want to have learned that much. I want to have been that person so deep in the Word. What if we use comparison to discover what holiness actually looks like? What if we train ourselves to compare properly and use it for good? What if we lead our comparison in the right direction? Away, you know, mostly, because we're human, when we compare, we either compare and think that we're better, so we're prideful, we think we're better than someone else, or we compare and we feel rubbish. We feel bad about ourselves, we're, we're self-pity, it cripples us. But what if we used it to become more like Christ? What if we compared who we are to him and filled the gap? It's about what we're feeling in our hearts and our minds as we compare. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 to 13, but we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves, they compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits. We will, but we, but will, ugh. I would like to compare myself right now with someone who can actually read out loud really well. <laughs> I can read, just not out loud, not out loud great. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but we will confide our boasting to the sphere of the service God himself has assigned to us. We need to press forward to strive for the best, to do the best with what he's given us and work on ourselves. Comparing can be, an, and most likely is, an obstacle to contentment. When we compare ourselves to other people, we are not content with who we are. Contentment is attainable, but we need to kill the dragon of negative comparison, of comparison that either brings pride or self-pity. When you get down to it, that kind of comparison is actually sin. 
It's actually not okay to tell God that we think his design is substandard. It's not okay to go, well, actually, God, you didn't do it quite right, and I would rather be taller, I would rather be slimmer, I would rather not, I'm about to like totally out myself, I would rather not be quite as loud as I am. <laughs> Let's find some other examples. I would rather be whatever. It's not actually, it's actually, it's actually not okay. God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and when we compare ourselves to someone else and we tell ourselves that we are not enough, it's sinning. It's telling God that we don't think his design was very good. Our job as Christians, as mothers, as fathers, as men, as women, as youth, is to stand up to insecurity that leads to comparison and to believe God. To believe that things that God says you are. I was really uh, adamant that I didn't, and I think I've done it quite sufficiently, I didn't want it to be a feel-good message. I do want you to feel good, but I didn't want you to simply, I didn't want to simply say to you, there, there, everyone compares, it's okay, carry on. I wanted to say, yes, there, there, everyone compares. But what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it to make ourselves better? What are we going to do about it that is good for our families? Do you know that when you compare yourself to other people, when you feel less than, your children are watching? And if you then somebody says, oh my gosh, they look so much like you, but you're standing in the mirror going, oh my gosh, look at me. What does that say to our children? That's not in my notes, but I just thought it. I stood in the mirror the other day <laughs> next to my teenage daughter, one of them, <laughs> and looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my gosh. I said, this is why women have to wear makeup. If I went to work looking like this, they would say, oh my gosh, you need to go to a doctor. Are you okay? And do you know what she so gracefully, gracefully said to me? Once I say this, anyone who knows who this is will know who said this. Do you know what she said to me? I think they'll probably send you to hospital. You know who said that, don't you? <laughs> Thank you so much, darling. I feel so much better. <laughs> it wasn't Bailey. <laughs> it was no one in the room there also gives it away. <laughs> don't we want to live a better way? Don't we want to be free from a comparison that holds us back and traps us? That... that takes away our ability to actually use the gifts that God's given us because we're so crippled by who we're not that we, th- we can't be who we are. One thing that struck me in the story of David and Goliath as I was rereading it is the Israelites were crippled because they were comparing themselves to Goliath. The Israelites could not, com- they could not go out to battle because they were comparing themselves to Goliath, but David compared Goliath to God. And he had the victory. David didn't look at Goliath and think, I am small, I am weak, I am this, I am that, compared to him. David looked at Goliath and said, my God is bigger. He found his strength and he had found victory, not only for himself, but for his nation, when he chose to not compare himself to Goliath, but to compare Goliath to God. 
Here's a poem for you. The stick I made for... The stick I made for measuring I use most every day. It helped me to compare myself with others on the way. I watched all those behind me or further down the road. I would readjust my pace or lighten up my load. The only real drawback with how I ran my race is I was watching everything around me except my saviour's face. I hope today my plan was to take you on a journey, to talk about comparison, to talk about it being human nature, but to take you somewhere where actually I can use this for God. I can use this for the better. I can recognize the lies that would say to me that I'm better than anyone else or worse than anyone else. I can choose to look at the gifts that God has given me not the gifts that other people are giving me and feel better than or less than. Because the reality is, God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God says that you are a child of God. God says that you're beautiful. He says that you're accepted. He says that you're chosen. He says that you're more than a conqueror. He says that you're called. He says that you're strong. He says that you're special. He says you're precious. He says you're significant, sufficient, He says you have a hope and a future. And that's what we need to listen to. That's what needs to guide us. That's what needs to drive us to fuel us. That's what should be playing around in our heads. Not what we can't do, but what we can do because of what God has called us to do because of him. Instead of looking at the giant that's facing us, whatever we're dealing with this week, this month, this year, instead of looking at the giant and comparing ourselves to the giant or comparing ourselves to other people, we compare the giant to God. And we know that God is in us. Those things I said that you are are all from the Bible. I have them in my notes with the scriptures if you'd like to take them from the desk out there. But what I want you to do is I want everyone to stand. Can I have some music? Imagine if every single person in this room went out today believing who God said they were, believing that they were enough, believing that God had given them the gifts, given you abilities, given you talents that only you can do. Imagine if we stopped comparing ourselves to others and just compared ourselves to God and filled the enormous gap that there is in holiness in our lives. That's what we should be striving to. We shouldn't be striving to be the person next to us. We should be striving to be more like Jesus.